When a band graduates and starts to make music their full-time occupation, an innate feeling kicks in, and you start to look at bands from a different perspective, a softer POV. You start to understand how much is involved in making a go of it, especially in this day and age. And regardless of genre of music, a respect is built, and automatically mutual upon contact with other like parties. I feel this kinship when I meet bands out on the road. Often is the case, the older the band, the nicer the players, because they know, more than anyone, how hard it was to get your foot in the door and stay there. When it comes to hometown bands I meet on the road, the bond is even stronger. It's filled with camaraderie and pride. But it's not without its initial suspicions and vetting. I felt, on many occasions, somewhat of a knee-jerk irreverence aimed in my general vicinity by a few Toronto bands over the years. For the most part, I've learned to shrug it off. I'm aware it's a mixture of jealousy, stupidity, and insecurity, but it's made me very standoffish and cautious when meeting new bands from Toronto. And so Scott Middleton, guitarist of the Cancer Bats, was on the receiving end of my initial curt nod and raised eyebrow when I first met him, even though he was nothing but gracious to me. It was only when JC told me that he had met up with the Cancer Bats guys and that they were very nice did I unclench my asshole and get off my high horse. Since then, of course, Scott's been on the podcast, episode number 61 to be exact, and here he returns. Truth be told, all the dudes in the Cancer Bats are very affable, very easygoing, and nothing like the brash, ugly, heavy music they've perfected. And despite this kinship, this report, it still gets tested. It happened when it was announced that the Cancer Bats were going on tour with Danzig in North America earlier this year. Firstly, I was genuinely happy for them, but I have to admit, I did feel a pang of jealousy upon the tour's announcement. Danzig is on my wish list to tour with, and I would be a kid in a candy store if it ever happened, but if it had to be any other band to do it, I'm happy it was the Cancer Bats. I followed the tour through Scott's Twitter and Instagram, and the two of us chatted online while it was happening, and inevitably I had to ask him onto the podcast to talk about it. Since his last appearance, our worlds have become closer. We're both in the middle of touring our latest albums, Cancer Bats' Searching for Zero album produced by Ross Robinson, and like our Fire Music album out on New Damage Records in Canada. So, Scott and I are now label mates. Going from this band that rehearsed a few doors down from us years and years ago, to going on tour with Danzig, sometimes I have to shake my head. It's really quite unbelievable what they've managed to accomplish. I'm happy Scott was able to come onto the podcast and share his experience, and I have a feeling he'll be returning yet again. I want to give a shout out to Blue Mic Microphones and Skull Candy Headphones who support this podcast, and to Chino Locos Restaurants for making fish burritos stuffed with chow mein noodles. This podcast isn't sponsored by anyone. Sponsored, quote unquote. Uh, these are just brands I use to make the podcast, to put the podcast together. And I love Chino Locos. Simple as that. I could easily say this podcast is supported by Three's Company reruns because I watch those incessantly. But the list is just going to get longer and longer. Please leave a rating or a review on iTunes, if you can. It helps the podcast's profile. But the fact you're listening right now is more than I can ask for, really. So, okay. Scott Middleton's second appearance on the official Danko Jones podcast starts now. The Danko Jones podcast is the best around. They play the kid as Danko's crew will tell them for free. I'm so glad I like to sometimes. Jimmy in from Fucked Up. Stop playing Hanged Out. Nick Flanagan sometimes joins Danko and co-hosts the podcast. And it's a real treat listening to Nick and Danko banner back and forth. I'm a huge fan of Nick's old punk bands, The Brutal Nights and Teen Crud Combo, and I've seen his stand-up comedy several times as well, and he is really funny. The googly-gaggly goblins will make sure they get their podcast fill by listening to Danko Jones, then snacking on some broken bones. And scaredy cats will run amok when rock and roll starts to talk.
flapping gums, and striking tongues, a chilly podcast has now begun. So we've got Scott Middleton from the Cancerbacks returning to the podcast. Welcome back, Scott. It's nice to have you back. Thanks, guys. Yes. Good to see you. Good to see you. It's been Hi. what two, almost two years. Yeah, it's since been we were about last two years here. exactly. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. But mm-hmm. it, you know, the last time you were here, um, I remember we talked once we turned off the mics, and you started everything, all this crazy stuff started rolling out of your mouth. I'm like, why weren't we fucking talking about this? <laughs> we got to follow you around each other for a week and get all the good stuff, yeah. right? So uh, let's, there's a lot to talk to you about. Yeah, sure. Um, first off, uh, when we finished the last podcast episode, you told me a story about how you, pre- you and Liam presented Black Sabbath with a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Kerrang! Awards. Yeah, yeah. Is this a true story? It, it is. It was funny. It was actually the whole band. It wasn't just us oh, two. Oh, it was. It oh, was, okay. But, okay. It, but it was like, it was funny. It was one of those things where like, we were in town, but we were touring, you know, like off record cycle sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember. Maybe it was yeah. around festival season or something. <laughs> and so we weren't like nominated for an award. Whatever. No big deal. But we were like, oh, maybe we go hang out, you know, whatever. And then anyways, we kind of just heard from Kerrang! and they were like hey guys um, it's totally cool if you come but you can come only on one condition that your band presents an award to Black Sabbath and we were just like no, 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 we don't want to do that at all. Sounds like a very British type of humor yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, they totally set us up because we yeah. had just been doing like um, we have this side you know, cover band called Bat Sabbath that, right. you know, we just kind of sprung up out of nowhere, out of a sort of a joke. And um, anyways, but it ended up sort of taking on a life of its own. We recorded a couple of covers and we did a little bit of touring with it for fun because people wanted to hear it. And it was it was a great time. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, I guess they thought it was fitting since we had a Sabbath cover band that we should do this right. with Sabbath. And, you know, we didn't really know what was going into this whole thing. They were just like, show up. You know, we figured we were going to like you know, open the card and read, hey, Mm. this year's award goes to... Well, it was basically like we walked up on stage. Like, they called us out. Like, it was like Scott Ian and Corey Taylor, I think. Like, they announced... You know, they yeah, they introduced us and they were like, Okay, this is Cancer Bats, I got this Sabbath cover band, which was, you know That's cool enough. Cool enough <laughs> anyway, like, you know, huge anthrax fan. I was like, This is awesome. We walk up on the stage in front of like a whole room of, you know, A list metal celebrities or whatever. Right. And and basically, Kerrang's editor is like, okay, so yeah, these guys, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, and then he just basically gives Liam the mic and he's like, here you go. Say talk, some stuff. talk about Sabbath. And Liam's just like, what? <laughs> it was pretty funny because like there was there wasn't anything about like hey prepare something to say. They never said that. Um, to you no, guys? they had this like little video montage which was yeah. cool. We were all like watching, and then Liam's like. Okay, yeah, I mean, this is the reason we're all here. <laughs> None of us would have jobs, you know, if it wasn't for this band. Right. You know, but yeah. and whatever. He he was able to, you know, all the credit to him, like, I fa- thought it would fake be his different. way through this uh, speech and I, tribute to Sabbath. Wow. Is it online? It might be somewhere. I thought you would have, like, you know, a monitor with a completely long intro <laughs> given to you. you know, <laughs> no, like, no, no, no. It like, was, like, <laughs> completely off the cuff, and oh he was just God. like... Okay, here here's a go. And like literally we're we're staring at Sabbath and Sharon and you know, they're all sitting there just kinda like Wow. Yeah, and then they came up on stage, you know, and like we passed them this trophy. Oh, say. Yeah. Isn't, did you, you know, say that? Well, whatever. I mean, you know, we, we just you know, they said a, a few things, thank yous, and then the cool part was is that we got ushered off the stage and then into like the photo room. Mm-hmm. So we got put in like the perfect position to have yeah. You know, we didn't have to be those guys to be like, hey, can we get a photo? Yeah. Right. Literally, the photographer's like, let's get a photo, guys. And we're like, professional. Yes, this is the best. Style. You got to get photos. that photographer's email. That's In those situations, well, I always go. Luckily, oh, luckily he was our friend. And oh, okay. Yeah, oh, wow. it totally that's worked great. out, and we were able to get it. And our manager happened to be in the background snapping with his phone as oh, well. that's good. But it was cool because they stayed and hung out and talked to us. And wow. Who was that? Who, well, which it was, part okay, of they? It was which basically it was the band except for Bill. Okay. Oh really? Yeah. So, so it was Ozzy, Ozzy Geezer, Tony. Ozzy too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
all, all three of them were there because they were. Did one of them Because I think it was basically no, no. What are you doing, man? Good, I mean, Dio died. He wasn't Dio Sabbath. Did. Yes, this was the Ozzy line. Yeah. yeah, but I guess they, this was right when they started doing the reunion. So they were, I think, like headlining Download. I think mm. it was the weekend of oh, Download right. where they okay. were like the headliner. This is before the album came out. Right? Exactly. Yeah, okay. just before that, and so like. They were super cool to us, especially Tony and Geezer. Like, just straight up the nicest guys. Mm. And, like, I mean, here we are just grinning our asses off, you know, and hanging out with Sabbath. Even, you know, five minutes, it was the best, you know, like, holy shit, this is career highlight, you know, whatever. This is our lifetime achievement. <laughs> right. You know, oh, like, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, but it was seriously, they were super cool, really nice. You know, like Ozzy was a little less chatty, but he shook his hand or shook all our hands, you know, said, hey guys, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever, you know. He's been and, through a lot. Yeah, he has been. <laughs> he has been. And it's funny contrasting him, and then you look at Tony, who's like been going through like cancer and yeah. chemo and all that, and he looked amazing. <laughs> and you, you know, and, yeah. and man, it was just like it was super cool. Like they, but I think Ozzy's one of those guys you just never hear about the horrible health things that are probably. Yeah, cons, I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, possible. Well, I he guess, seems so. like he's he's just put himself through so much. And, and but then I saw I saw them when they came to Hamilton like uh, last year, like last April, I guess. And Ozzy was like amazing. Yeah, like he was doing like push-ups on stage. Well, to, how was to his kind of voice? Show. Great, oh, actually. We, yeah. we played with we played with Ozzy in Paris. It was at the uh, oh, I'm forgetting the venue, but it was it was us, then Corn, then Ozzy. It was, yeah. it was his show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And backstage, I had, I had long given up any hope to like meet him, um, but I did run into him in the hallways, and he was crouched over. You would think he was, you know, not all that together. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, of course, when the showtime came. He just c- comes alive. But Destroyed. he's like George Jones or Killed something, him. right? Well, well, like he's a, like he's a split. He's well, almost a split. That, yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Like seeing him at ways. seeing him at that award show, it was like he was kind of hobbling around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, hobbling like, a bit. Had this yeah. little like sort of uh, yeah. you know uh, gremlin thing about. Yeah, him. that's exactly how. He and looked. then I watched him live, <laughs> and he's jumping up and yeah. down, and right. he's like all this energy. But then I I saw some documentary, and it looked like he was doing like pre-show workouts and stuff like that, and really getting into shape for it because he's got to do it to pull it off i remember i saw deep purple like eight years ago or something maybe Mm -hmm. longer and this singer i can't remember who this they've gone through a few different singers right yeah like deep purple the singer was uh coverdale years or it wasn't coverdale and it wasn't no it was ian gillen i guess it was ian gillen yeah he's back in the band yeah it was gillen and and he just looked like a karate master you know, really? oh my God, yeah. Ian Gillen has aged incredibly well. Well, he just out of all the stays in the it's like the sting thing, you know. It's like absolutely, if you're, if you're, you got this weird core deal, you know. He it's just looks be... amazing. Ian Gillen looks amazing. He sounds amazing, That's and from what best. I've heard. Yeah. Is a gentleman off stage. That's well, that cool. was the presentation. That was definitely. In fact, it almost was. He was like too gentlemanly for. for but you gotta, but you gotta, have, yeah, you gotta have a huge respect yeah. for these guys that can continue on. I mean, like even that was the thing. We just did a tour with Danzig, yeah, and he just yes. turned sixty before the tour, yeah. And man, that guy rocks the fuck out. He's yeah. like he's doing jump punches. He's getting his face right in the crowd, giving right. mics to kids, like head banging the whole time. Like I was blown away. Like. Did- did you watch yeah. that Danzig Legacy? Um, I didn't get to see special. it. Special. I tried to download it, but it, it didn't work. Yeah, I, I missed it. Fucking fantastic. Was it awesome? Yeah. He, the, so we did Legacy. He did this whole thing where it's it was um, it based on the Elvis Presley '68 comeback special. Right. So he they had the the <laughs> whole thing where there you know there's a crowd and and the the guys were performing at this uh, raised stage. Uh, just like that when right. Elvis was wearing the black leather jacket yeah, yeah. and everything, and then there was like instead of Elvis in in bright red lights, it said Danzig, sure. oh. and he was singing. Okay, I saw a photo of it. Yeah, fucking amazing. But look, you did something that there was a uh, back in 2010. We were touring the world with Guns N' Roses. Oh so yeah, yeah. Whenever you know GNR called, we were there, and um, there was. Uh, 
uh, an offer that came through to open up for Danzig for four shows in America. And we had to turn it down because we had these Guns N' Roses dates. And for me, it was, what a crazy situation to be in. (laughs) I just never would have ever believed I would be in that situation. That you would have to say no to the Danzig. Danzig Because of Guns Guns N' Roses. Roses. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But um, I remember I almost, I almost cried. (laughs) <laughs> like you yeah, were so yeah, frustrated yeah. about it. I was it. so disappointed. I we were oh, in our bus yeah. and they they told they told me the the offer came through and then we looked at the date and I almost cried. And uh you did what I've always wanted to do. You not I mean, only opened for Danzig, you fucking toured with. Me. So yeah. who is his uh band at the moment? Okay, so he's got Steve Zing on bass and awesome Steve's dude. from Sam Hain. Yeah, awesome, awesome Ugh. dude. Yeah, that's the thing. His band kills it. He's got uh, Tommy Victor from Prong on yeah. guitar. He's been playing with him like yeah, for, for 20 years. years I've almost. seen him. I've seen him so great. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. really perfect in that band. Dude, yeah. and like, I'm a huge Prong fan. Like, I've been listening to them well, forever. So I geeked out with Tommy. But the cool thing fingers, was, snap is he be, was that Prong? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, like yeah, see, I love that. And, yeah. and like, you know, he's coming up to us being like, hey, guys, oh, fuck, I love your band. I've got, like, three of your records on my phone right now. You know, like, <laughs> wow. and we're just That's like, cool. okay, mind blown. This is crazy. That's like, great you're start. the best, dude. And he's, like, always always hanging out, super nice. Dude kills at guitar. Like, oh, I've never, Tommy okay, Vicky. I've never seen Danzig play before this tour. I okay. ne- for whatever reason, it never worked out for me. Yeah. I never got to see Prong either. Yeah. Man, that guy can play. Like, yeah. completely blown away by, like... Because that's the thing. It's like, you listen to some prong stuff, and he doesn't really... Like, he holds back. Like, he's, like, writing, like, songs that maybe are a little bit more simple. And it's just, and like, it's he's sort of focusing on the song rather than showing off as a guitar player. It's like helmet-style kind of riff or stuff, some right? Of so some of it. Like, some of it's thrashier. Some, yeah. some of it's a bit more industrial. Like, But that's a certain type of thing that doesn't necessarily show off, like, well, what Danzig 1 has, like, with John Christ or whatever. Like, when he would, yeah, like, all like, that solo. Every song like, yeah. has a solo yeah. where, like, he's nailing it. He's killing it. And maybe, I don't know, maybe I would say doing it better. <laughs> And well, like, certainly. Because seriously, man, some the way some of the songs, like, sound live, I was blown away. Like how heavy were they doing? Sam Hain and Misfits? No, none of that. Just Danzig. Well, no. See, here's the thing. Danzig's about to put out a covers album. Okay. Um, and I think it's called Skeletons or something like that. But basically, they did. Um, Is this a scoop? No, I mean no, he, was talk- gonna be he talked about it every night on okay. tour because they they did like three or four covers in the set. So they did like NIB, like they did a Sabbath cover every night, hmm. and they did. Did they get you guys up there? Hey, let's get the uh, <laughs> well, that Sabbath. Well, it was kind of funny because like they, 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 award see this is how this is how we met uh, Johnny Kelly from Typo Negative, who is who's the, the best dude, ever. also the best dude. Yeah, so he's the drummer for Danzig. And, and the second Kill Devil Hill as well. Yeah, Kill Devil Hill. He's in um, Seventh Void with Kenny from Typos. They're like other. They're like oh, okay. post typo band. Okay. Yeah, and great guy. And basically, how we met him first was at Soundcheck because we were like, oh yeah, Sabbath. So we were like checking with Sabbath the next day, and he comes up, hey guys, I like that uh, Sabbath you you're doing into the void there. That's awesome, you know. Like, hmm. you know, it kind of broke the ice right there, and. Yeah, I mean, everyone's just big Sabbath fans, basically. Yeah, so they would they would do an Elvis cover every night. Right. One. Oh man, I'm was trying it to remember. Trouble. No, a little no, less no. conversation. No, no, it was it wasn't. Uh, um, it, I, it's bugging me that I can't remember. It wasn't like a super famous one, right, but it right. was actually pretty cool how they cool. like made it metal and. Right. Then they did they did some like some other one. That was way more obscure that nobody seemed to know, but Do it was still because on the lost lost songs of dancing mm-hmm. that double album he, mm-hmm. he 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 included some covers like a Bowie cover a T Rex cover yeah right. I want to say it was maybe like like Everly Brothers or something right weird oh, yeah, right. yeah I don't know but anyways he's got a covers album coming out and then so he would do this sort of segue of like three covers in a row and then but see that what really impressed me actually was like. Him playing some of the newer stuff from albums I hadn't really given the time of day. Yeah. And those... Like what albums? Like uh, I, Lucifery or whatever it's called. Wicked album. Um, Circle of Snakes, one of the newer albums, which like I've uh, gone back and listened to some of the Wicked record. Yeah. See, that's the thing. It's like 
but a when you hear return. the like, but see, maybe the production on some of it's not the best. I lose a far eye. That one's cool. Circle of Snakes, I think. I don't know, is missing something production-wise okay. for me. But I listen to those songs live, and I'm like, those are the songs that are in Kiss my head every day. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, that used so to good. be our pre-show music. And that was, did you play, um, like, was the tour long enough, and did, did, did some of, were some of the venues smaller than other venues? Like, did, did the places vary in size? Yeah, there were some really big ones. I yeah. think the smallest was, like, the, the Commodore in Vancouver. Okay. Wow, that was the smallest. That was the smallest yeah. one. Holy a lot of them were big, but yeah. I mean, like Pennywise was on the tour too, right. so they it's brought a, a lot. Right, right. They brought a lot of fans. And how like, is that? It, you guys opening for Danzig makes sense. Yeah. And Pennywise makes sense to me from a Misfits point of view. Well, but from a Danzig point of view, I'm okay. I'll say this: there was definitely like a bit of a split. You know, it's funny because we were sort of joking that like Cancer Bats is the baby that. Danzig and Pennywise had together. Right. You know, because, like, I wasn't the biggest Pennywise fan growing up, but mm-hmm. all the other guys in my band love them. They yeah. love all that punk stuff. There was that whole and, uh, face-to-face yeah, Pennywise. Yeah, they grew up on I all just that. somehow died. Like, I was into Bad Religion, yeah. and I was into, like, a couple of things like that, but when it got to face-to-face and Pennywise and Bless and Jake, I was just like, I'm confused. You I didn't go deeper. I, I fell yeah. off on the yeah. 90s punk. I was yeah. more into, like... 80s That's it. Is I wound up getting into the early '80s stuff later, and, and touch and go and stuff yeah, like yeah. in the AMRAP stuff early on enough. I mean, you know, that's the thing. Like, I knew a bunch of the Pennywise songs. It was awesome, but like, you know, last day of tour, Fletcher came up to me and was like, "Hey, Scott, you want to you want to come play bro him uh-huh. on guitar?" And I was like, "Dude, that's super cool. You're asking me, but my bass player Jay is a massive Pennywise fan. Oh, okay. Yeah, and." you should really get him to play it because he's going to like freak the fuck out. And he's like, okay. And he's like, okay. He's like, you go ask him and I'll stand behind you and just listen. And I was like, hey, Jay, uh, do you think you could play bro him on guitar? And he's like, yeah. And then Fletcher, who's like this towering, at least like six foot seven or something, just comes and he's like, you fucking sure, man? (laughs) <laughs> and he's just Jay's like uh yeah <laughs> okay and then they went and did it uh-huh. and then after the show <laughs> Fletcher's like man that was awesome but uh you gotta work on your palm muting <laughs> just like busting his balls <laughs> it was pretty funny that's was great pretty, but Jay that's was great. like man did someone get that on video cause man that was did like did they? I, I didn't I was showering when it happened but <laughs> but I'm someone did somewhere I'm sure but uh but yeah, but like, you know, so it was like this whole thing was like a massive highlight for our band as well. Like, you know, Danzig, one of my favorite bands and such a huge influence on the way I play guitar. You know, it's like, like in my style, like I do tons of pinch harmonics and people are always like, oh, so Zach Wilde. And I was like, no, no. it's so Danzig, man. Like, you don't get it. Like that. There's more than one band that does pinch harmonics. Yeah. Like, Although mm-hmm. Zach does kind of. He has oh, cornered the market, dude. I'm, I'm not. I'm not like knocking that. <laughs> At this point in but, time, but that's the thing. Go to a go to a Danzig show and you listen to Tommy fucking squeal his ass off all night. Better than most people. So for me, it's like the how tight that band was just like blew my mind. Great set list, and it was cool because Danzig would literally like pull the crowd, be like, "What do you want to hear?" Flew down to Philly to see Sam Hain. How was it? It was awesome, but they were having technical problems that night, and I flew down through London May. Uh, he was yeah, my, he was on your podcast. I yeah, and he yeah, was yeah. my way to get backstage. Yeah. So while they were having like tech problems, and I could see Glenn getting really kind of frustrated, and it was no one's fault. Yeah, um, I, I I was just watching, going wow. I'm not going to get to meet Glenn Danzig tonight because <laughs> he was getting, I could just see him getting so upset. Yeah. Um, I eventually did, and he was great. Did you have a meeting with the man? Um, like, I wouldn't say, like, extensively. Like, mm. I kind of had this joke for, like, the first, like, week and a half a tour where, like, I never met him, mm-hmm. but all the other guys like did. And it was Well, exactly. I yeah. was like, Danzig is my Polkaroo. Right. And if people don't know who Polkaroo is, <laughs> <laughs> you had to grow up in Ontario in the I 80s, guess I guess. So. But, but, but anyways, but I basically suppose. he was this guy that I kept missing. And all my and all my bandmates would be like, oh my god, Glenn just came and hung out. It was super cool. He high-fived <laughs> wow. me. Asked how everything's going. And I was like, man, why can't I be there? I was like, it's because like they would be like watching the show... 
from like the side stage or something and I'd be like I want to go watch it out front where it sounds better because right. like I'm so super stoked this yeah. is like my first time seeing them I want yeah. it to sound really good yeah and uh, yeah it was just one of those things where I just kept missing it eventually you know met him super nice you know like he was always like hey guys you know I hope you're having a great tour you know your set was awesome last night whatever like was like was super cool to us you know and then like Dream you know tour. and well yeah but it, it, it was and then you know the whole band, not even just him, like all those other guys being like, watched you guys last night, you killed it, mm-hmm. it was awesome, love your guitar tone, like, you know, like Tommy saying something like that to oh, me, man. like, man, that feels amazing. Yeah. It's like, yeah. this is the best, like super, super fun tour, like, the, man. The, the reason I asked about the venue size was because yeah. I had my friend who played Daniela, who was in Brutal Nights, like in the first yeah. bassist, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, she was like the biggest... Danzig fan, like all of this stuff. When I first yeah. met her, she was like just the most insane dancer. She's fan. like Black Aria, favorite album ever. <laughs> yeah, sure. She would definitely. Really? She knows she, but she would go. No, I think she went to to Lucifuge. And yeah, then, yeah. And uh, I think that was in her first email address that I got from her. It was the word Lucifuge. And <laughs> I uh, saw that tour. She had the gloves. She was really into, you know, everything about Danzig. And we wound up going with her and a friend to uh, Pennsylvania to two shows. To and we were just okay, going to see yeah. the one show. Which was in Allentown, and that was just Danzig, you know. So that was in a you know secondary market, much smaller venue, like not quite call the office size in London, yeah. but just maybe six hundred people, five hundred yeah. people, like a really small venue That's to see awesome. Danzig in. And that was the one where I was like, oh my god, I can't believe it. And I think that was, they didn't play Dirty Black Summer. Like the next the, the the Pittsburgh show, they only played it at the downtown show, and I was like, "Cool!" And uh, well, that that's what they did with us. They mixed up the set like uh-huh. a little bit every night, which yeah. made it super interesting. That's really neat. And it just was like, but that was also the show where he his the bus was just pulled up, and he was clearly watching wrestling or something. You could see the thing he loves wrestling, and uh, really? and he was taking photos with people, and was much more relaxed because you know you're only going to have a lineup of like probably. 10, 15 people for a show in Allentown or whatever, you know? So, yeah, that was the show. I remember I've seen him three times, and and that was the one where it was like, it it just felt great. There's something so great about seeing a a band, like in a a, a fat band in a little shirt, you know what I mean? In a little suit. Like, they're just in a place that's too small for them because it just feels like it's bursting, you know? I wish some of the venues maybe on the tour were like that because they're like, some of them were, some of them were, some of them were like 3,000 And they're all full. Well, some of them maybe not as much as they should have been, but like, a lot of them were really packed out and people fucking love it. Yeah. Yeah. They go so nuts for it. And like, and that's the thing, like hearing the whole crowd scream, am I demon? Right. Really? You know, like, so when does good. that happen? Yeah, yeah, it's the best. Oh. Well, it's you know, the, he's also one of the, one of the most evergreen, uh, like modern rock people, I think, where it's like, it just, he'll get, he wouldn't even necessarily need to tour to kind of have his fans regenerate, if that makes yeah. sense, you know? Like, oh, definitely. Misfits is its own thing, you know? Like, Misfits just kind of, like, totally. did its own thing. And the weird, the other, the dregs, not the dregs, but, like, the band without Danzig, like, it's it's rare that you could have a situation where that can Well, but think about, like, I mean, his situation, he could play in, like, Danzig or the Misfits, and he could play a full set of either of those band songs. And Absolutely. you're not, like, feeling like something's lacking. No. And here's another Danzig connection that, that uh, funnily enough, you guys ended up going out with Danzig. I don't know if you know where I'm leading, but uh, I, had, I was talking to uh, Cam Pipes mm-hmm. and Shane from Three Inches. Yeah. And they have a cover band, a Rush cover band, called Xanadudes. Yeah. And you guys have Bad Sabbath. And whenever you guys want to do it, we will get into our rehearsal space and become Glenn Danko. <laughs> That's amazing. That's our I cover love band. it. Man, the three of, I want to do it just to see it. Yeah, three bands, three of our bands. Shane's into it. I think Cam's into it. If the three of our bands... I love those dudes. They're the best. Yeah, yeah. Could, could somehow be in the same venue together once. We will, we will we open for it. you guys. Yeah. You, I mean, Bat Sabbath are way more established. You guys have to be the headliners. And then well, Xanadu. I, I think Sabbath are all they only headline. Th- yeah, they can only. He- yeah, you, you guys headline. 
Maybe you like gotta, you got to open with Twist of Cain, man. That's what he does half the or time, like right? Or like Snakes of Christ or something. Something that's really. Too, that, that's too. That's too hard to sing and play. <laughs> yeah. What about what about opening with How the Gods Kill? Extend the mix. <laughs> no, I don't know. No, or Heart of the Devil. That see, I want to do that. <laughs> I want to do that somewhere in the set. I wish he did that. Can I, I tell you a story? Yeah. I've never told anybody on on record, and I don't think every anybody knows this, but long time ago. Obviously, when Jeff Healy had his club, yeah, yeah, Healy's Bathurst and Queen, Healy's, yeah. Jeff kept asking me to play at his club, and eventually I said, "Okay, I'll do it." So the week that I, I I said I can do it, Jeff had a gig in Brazil, so I never got to play with Jeff Healy. Uh, but he he, heard, he was going to play with you. Yeah. Like, the, well, there was a night every night. Okay, Every like an industry-ish kind of night where he would yeah. sit in with the band. Definitely, that's kind of cool. Yeah, so he asked me to come down for one of those nights. I said, "Yeah, okay, I will." So um, it just so happened he had this gig. So then he, I made a big stink about it on stage that night. Going, you know, <laughs> Jeff was supposed to be here. He heard about it and then he called me up and he goes, "Okay, you come back. I will definitely be on stage with you." And then I said, "Okay, I want to do." Every Danzig ballad there is. <laughs> would you do that? And he said I would. And Heart of the Devil was was one of them. That's awesome. And uh, you know all the all the standards yeah, you would yeah. think. I never did it. And it's one of my biggest regrets ever in. Did he pass music. away? Jeff Healy. Uh, yeah. Because you couldn't do it. Not because, but before <laughs> no. you could do it. No. Like what happened? Why couldn't uh, you do it? My touring schedule was crazy. Uh, that would have been that. ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because basically, you know, Jeff That's funny. is Jeff. That's amazing. So yeah, Jeff is yeah. Jeff. But the guy in his house band, I can't remember his name. When I went to see Jeff sit in with the band, I was like, you, you, you're watching Jeff, obviously. But then the his guitar player for the house, fucking unreal. I, I wish I remembered his name. But I knew that he could nail any Danzig song I throw at him. For anybody who's <laughs> not from Toronto, check out Jeff Healy because that guy Absolutely. was amazing. Like, I saw that guy play once by accident, and I didn't even know. Like, when I was in high school, it was like, you know, it's one of those things where your buddies are like, "Hey, let's go downtown. Like, yeah. we'll try and sneak into a bar." And yeah, it's like, he was like, he was like the last of that like seventies, sixties, seventies, like go on Young Street and see some some blues guys well, playing. And that, yeah. was, that was thing. Like, Solid it man. was like something like in the nineties when like swing music was making its revival or something. Okay. Uh-huh. And some friends of mine were like, "We're gonna go see some like." swing jazz bands and I'm like yeah. okay whatever and like we snuck into like gypsy co-op or yeah, like pooch or whatever or one of, yeah. somewhere yeah. somewhere on queen over there yeah like one of those places yeah. and like we went upstairs and sure enough there's all these people like dressed like it's like 1930 sure. and they're like you know oh, you can really yeah, picture doing Toronto that thing. getting into the swing dance and, yeah. Yeah. and like and we're like okay <laughs> this is really weird like a bunch of like metal teenagers kind of in this bar but whatever <laughs> anyways whatever. so like we're hanging out beautiful and, babies everywhere yeah. everyone's money yeah I'm trying to buy a Shirley Temple without getting ID'd and, <laughs> right. uh, and basically yeah but then I start hearing this playing and I like walk up and it's like Jeff Healy is just like killing mm. this yeah. this swing music on his guitar, like he, you know, and he does that thing, like, cause like for people who don't know, he was blind and he would play like, you know, like his guitar, like it was a lap steel almost. If you like haven't on top, seen Roadhouse, like on his that's lap. the best yeah. <laughs> showcase of Jeff Healy. He played he rock and roll. Blew me away, man. Yeah. It yeah. just blew me away. But he like really he, was, but he like, also played trumpet too. Yeah. He, like people. People don't know he was like a rock. He played rock and roll for a living, but yeah. his real love was jazz. Yeah, jazz, that's yeah, because exactly. he was like a huge like '78 collector and yeah. everything, right? Humongous '78 yeah, yeah. collection. Yeah, my friend Roger, who owned Monster Records on Young Street, right. when he opened his store, I guess as a gift, I don't really know, but Healy gave him his '78 collection to sell, or wow. at least part of it. That's wow. so cool. It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> Cancer dots. I met them probably about like I met Liam probably about 15 years ago. Yeah, just like going to shows. It was just like that was the thing because like there was some people in my high school that like were into similar music, Mm. and then like once I kind of just got introduced to that world, it was sort of like 
Like, I didn't even care if I knew anybody going to shows. Mm-hmm. I just was about seeing these bands play. Right. And I was just like, okay, well, this is this is my calling. It's like, okay, there's this whole local scene of punk and hardcore and metal. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm just going to go to everything I can. And it didn't matter to me sometimes if I had a friend to go with or not. Because oh, yeah, you're going eventually I just made friends with the local yeah. bands. I met people who were just like hey we're always at these shows too and that was one of the things like i random i met liam going to a raised fist show Mm -hmm. um at the cathedral just randomly um i don't know i was just like oh okay they're playing i just happened to be walking by and i was like i guess i'll go check it out it was like an afternoon show and like um i'm standing there and he's just like hey man you playing that like really crazy metal band yeah you guys are awesome like you know whatever just like and became friends because mm-hmm. all of a sudden I was like, I saw him at all these shows. And then eventually over the years, it was just like, hey, like, let's form a band. We like so much of the same music. I'm like, we get along great. Like, right. let's jam. And he's like, well, I'm in Montreal. And I was like, well, that's cool because, you know, I work for Via Rail selling train tickets. So I can go there for free. Let's oh, have band cool. practice. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what I used to do. Train I used to sell train tickets. <laughs> wow. And um, did you get the sandwiches for free? With the, the beverage, yeah, yeah uh, I could get first, first class, first class yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. But um, the uh, but yeah, I would go to Montreal and have band practice. Like I would travel six hours, and then eventually we got guys from Toronto mm-hmm. to be in our band. So then it was like, okay, <laughs> you, you have Liam to had to move. Liam had to. Well, yeah, it kind of. It was sort of one of those things where like we uh, did our first tour, and his girlfriend was like, nope. See you later. Was right. just like Whoa. broke up with him like right away, yeah. and um, and then That's he was just favor. like, okay, well, yeah, I have no reason to be in Montreal anymore, so right. I'm gonna move to Toronto. So cool. it ended up working out great. You That's know, what I'm saying it's a favor. It's it, like if she imagine she just strung him along and just been like, I can kind of deal with this, you know. Well, and like maybe, maybe the stress of like yeah. him commuting would have made him, you know, yeah, fall out. So you're on your, uh, what is it, fifth album now? Fifth album, yeah, it's crazy. Holy Man, smokes. it goes by fast. And it's great. Thanks, man. And uh, we were in the studio making our record, and you were in the studio making your record, right? Around and the same time, we were yeah. chatting on uh, the old social media about it. Yeah, you guys did your record with Rats? With Rats, and I tell, in so many interviews, I name drop you. Oh, Because cool. the last time you came down here, you brought over... The Cancer Bats, the last record that Brad. Oh, produced. Dead Set on Living, yeah, yeah. Right, Dead Set on Living. Yeah. And I listened to your guitar tones, which is something that I've always felt always we achieved 85 to 90% of, of like what was in my head. to be with it, yeah. And here they were, and we knew Eric, and we had this history with Eric, and here, you, here he is producing the sounds that were in my head, which were in your your guitar tones. Oh, cool. oh of course, it's the fingers, the hand, yeah, the yeah, owner sure. of the hands and the guitar. But it, it, you know, here was Eric doing this heavy band, um, and then doing other things too. So your your uh, visit to the podcast was the catalyst for Fire Music and and oh, Eric. That's awesome, man. Coming back into our lives. Yeah, man. So, you know, it's funny. It's funny how uh, how that is. It's like. Um, you know, just things come full circle, like, you know, because when we started working with like rats and sort of back in the day, Gavin Brown, one of the things they were like, oh, yeah, we worked with Danko Jones. And we're like, well, that's fucking cool. Yeah, there's a band we can get oh, behind. We, that we you were the heavy with. band that you kind of like right. where they because they were sort of like those guys in the beginning when we did our first record, like Gavin and, and rats had worked with like Billy Talent and then you know Gavin's like oh yeah I used to play drums in Danko Jones and like kind of did that and they were saying like you know we did like Big Sugar and I was like yeah but they did Danko so that's that's fucking awesome you know I could make records with that guy for the rest of my life I just you know and and that was the thing like we had such a strong connection like because when Gavin produced our first record and Eric was like you know the the engineer engineer, but we had such a bond with him that we're like let's just keep working with him and this guy Kenny that he that he, I he don't was know. was great if, too. Did, was Kenny working with you He came down guys a for bit? one or two days. Yeah, yeah. Like, for us, like on our new record, we we ended up working with Ross Robinson. Yes. Yeah. And so, like, you know, and he, we wanted to do something different. You know, Absolutely, we even had yeah. talked with Rats, and he's like, guys, you know, like, I totally understand. You guys need to, like, change something up and, like, 
just throw something else in the mix. Cause he's like, I'll do your record if you want, but if you find someone else, like there's no hard feelings, we're still best buds. And, and you know, that like made us feel good because we finally had the opportunity to be able to like go and work with whoever we wanted. Right. I wonder, like, I, I wish I could sit there and compare, like, you know, like, have a side-by-side -side comparison of a set where it went good and went bad and try and see which one is actually better. It's the really pissed yeah. off, like, we're playing harder and faster. You know, it's like, like, when we uh, when we made our new record, like, like Ross Robinson, that was, like, kind of the space he was always trying to, like, push us into would be, like, because he... The way I've he, heard that about him. Well, he, the way he records is, like, you go to Ross Robinson and it's, like, you're trying to... You go into his studio and if you're like standing there and he sees like you're being stiff in any way about like the way you're approaching your instrument, he'll fucking hit you. Like he'll throw stuff. I heard at that you. about you. I, I was gonna ask yeah, you. Yeah, I mean it, it's super cool because it you know, at first you're like, What the fuck? Like why are you doing why are you fucking with me? Like you'd be playing a part and then he would literally like take a pen while I'm playing and he would like stick it in between my guitar strings to make me fuck up. <laughs> And I'm like, what are you doing? But what I'm, what I eventually realize is, it's like he's just trying to get you more on fire, and he's like, all of a sudden, like you feel this, like this thing, because it's like he'll just jab at you, but it makes you want to play, like, like really come out of your skin and play, sure. like, and it, it took me like a little while to get used to it because I was just like, what, the, what's this guy doing? Like, I mean, I knew I always heard those stories. Yeah. You know, but I was like, is he like mad at me? And it's like, he's doing it because he's stoked and he just like wants, he always talks about like getting the fire out of people. And like, and, and he's so like, okay, like we would record drums and he, before we would do the take, he would sit us in the room and we'd be in this tiny room together with Mikey, like everybody's in there with him mm -hmm. and we're all recording at the same time basically. And he would go and he'd be like, okay, Liam, what's the song about? And Liam would be like, well, it's, you know, it's kind of about this. He'd be like, no, not kind of. What's it exactly about? And like, and really prod him for oh, meaning I hate behind. that when people go, what do you mean kind of? Well, it's like, well, I just well, yeah, say it. But, but he has a purpose about it because <laughs> his whole thing word. is that he's like, he's like, and he would get us all, once we got this like idea about what the song was about, he would go to each one of us and ask us individually what no, this meant to us and how we relate to those lyrics. Yeah. Because his whole thing is like, everybody needs to be like singing the song with their instrument, whether they're singing or not. Because right. it has to be to that like, that purpose. And it's like... That's intense. It, but yeah, it's good. He, like he, he calls it, like he's kind of like this like woo-woo sort of like, uh, like spiritual kind of guy. And he's unlike anyone I've ever met. And he's amazing. We got along with him great. But he like took us to all these like really dark places sometimes and his whole thing was just like you know if you're if you're playing a song for a kid who gets beat up by his dad every day like he's not going to want to listen to you play it safe like you've got to you've got to like play your ass off for this kid who's having the worst day of his life and he's got to feel that you know that urgency from what you do and like and yeah like we would get to some like really dark places you know and open up about a lot of that stuff and it was like it really it really like pushed pushed us in in directions like we hadn't gone before and like it was cool it was really weird like hearing the songs back versus the demos we made because everything was like twice as fast mm -hmm. because he was like play it harder go crazier and we're like literally while mike's you know, smashing his drums, we're like jumping around the room, like banging our guitars, like it's this basement punk show. Like that's his whole thing. Like really rip all the time. Like I can see how it, you can. Yeah, I mean, it it was hard. Like, and it's not for everybody. Like that's the thing. Mm -hmm. but you gotta go in with a, a team mind. spirit. Yeah, also. Well, our our thing was yeah. like, okay, we want to like we want to do something different. We want someone to push us. Well, I'm 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 uh, admiring your. Uh, Willingness to willingness like, to jump in the fire. Yeah, um, I, for, it's for not me, for everyone. No, it's not. And <laughs> that that's would the be thing, in like, that group. Maybe you, maybe you wouldn't be, but maybe then you'd surprise yourself too. At the same time, like I'd I, be down I would. For it. I would Most of the time, I would love to hear him. 
do this approach on so many different people just to see what it would be like. Right. Miles you Davis. Know? R.I.P. Yeah, Miles Davis. Okay, okay. Oh, that was the best I could do. Why what would Carly Rae Jepsen sound like? Yeah, Carly Rae Jepsen. Yeah, Doctor no, of Medics. I mean, that's the thing. It's it, it's it's difficult, and that is the thing. Like he would push, like he would push Liam, like vocally, and be like, "Okay, man, you can scream really well. Like, but man, that's you, who you, you need can to push the most. He's like, he's like, you can scream all day, vocalist. and you won't lose your voice." And, he, and Liam would be like, thanks. He's like, no, no, I want you to lose your voice. He's <laughs> oh like, God. he's like, if you're, he's like, you need to like give it. Cause he's like, if you're going to scream at somebody, uh, you're singing a song about somebody you want to kill. You're not going to go. Meh, 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 meh. So did he and, lose his voice? Yeah. Eventually. But like, oh my God. but he, he got him to sing in a different way and like sing louder and sing with more force and intent and, like, you know, at first it didn't really like sound good. Mm-hmm. We were sort of like, ah, I don't know. Like, where's he going? But he like then really spent the time and like really got him. Cause he was like, his first thing would be like, okay, get that emotion, get the power out and then, and then make it you and then make it sound like, you know, as good as it can. Yeah. But, you know, don't be scared. And that's the thing. It's like, if you're going to sing really angry about something like, Make it frightening. Make it like, like real. Don't make it just like, hey, I'm gonna sing this and nail the part. It's yeah. like, you, you got to have purpose behind what you're doing. That's mm. his whole thing. It's like everything's got meaning and purpose and intent, and and eventually it all like you know it comes together and you hear this like really live sounding thing. You know, like we didn't mm. play to a click track. He would like set up. When we would do drums, what he would do is he would put like a delay on the vocals and maybe a little bit on like the snare drum. And the repeats of the delay would then clue in Mikey like to play on time with it. So it would just like you're always kind of like your own metronome. So if you speed up, you're still speeding up like consistently with yourself and you're like kind of in that pocket yeah uh, it was com- so wow. different like That's technically wild. and it was cool like we recorded like like to two inch tape and it was like we'd really? never done that before and we're like wow. this is super cool and then and then he'd put it into pro tools and like you right. know edit it down and everything but sure. like but yeah we never had that chance to do anything like that before so it was super cool and he you know going in and he's got this like crazy microphone that like nick cave recorded a bunch of records on that he like i guess basically everything he's recorded since like the first limp biscuit record or something like that was made on this mic and and so like i showed up with like a bunch of gear and he'd be like yeah like uh and i'd be like well you know should we like mic up my cab and he was like or we could use like the cab that i recorded like sepultura's roots with (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, why don't we try that one? <laughs> and uh, and it sounded awesome, you know. Yeah. But it, but it was cool. Like you know, we we used like a bunch of our own gear. He had other ideas like to mix in. And it was, Where was the studio? It's in Venice Beach. It's oh. like literally on the beach. That's like, nice. Like you open the back door and it's sand. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it was awesome. So there's all kinds of like crazy people dropping yeah, in here and there and performing in front of a, or recording in front of a carnival. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But really, like, it was, there would be people, like, walking by and poking, because there's this door that's not, like, all the way to the ceiling. It's sort Mm. of open and letting air in all the time. People would hear music and sort of, like, poke their heads in and kind of, like, walk in. Hey, what's going on in here? And you'd be like, hey, uh, yeah, we're making a record. See ya. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny. But but that was the thing. It's, like, it's all just, like, in the basement of his house. He has this really cool setup and... He's just the most instantly like creative guy I've ever met too, where he'll just be like, okay, I kind of had this idea. Why don't we try, you know, I've got this like Fender six string bass from 1963. Let's bust that out. And like, what if Scott, what if you play like a high melody at the same time? And then we get Jay, like who's our bass player, like to play something on the low strings at the same time. And then we put it through a weird, like, octave pedal and see what comes out <laughs> you know and it's like you're trying all these like wacky things that are that i'm all up for that stuff like that yeah i'm not against no that no stuff. exactly it, but it, it would come out really cool or you'd be like okay okay this part needs an extra little guitar melody on top and he's like i want you to think about this and this song and he's like you know he, he would get me he'd be like close your eyes and think about this part 
and he's like, and start thinking about a melody in your head. He's like, don't hum it out loud. Just think of it in your head. Come up with something. And I'd be like, okay. And I'm like, start kind of doing a thing. And he's like, and then he would give me a guitar and be like, now play it. And then press record. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> that was the thing. Like, I came yeah, up with yeah. something super cool. And I was yeah. like, I mean, I is, understand that process as well. You know what yeah. I mean? There's been a few times doing fire music. Eric was, Eric, I came into the studio and he's like, yeah, so we're going to lay down that solo today? And I go, what solo? And then we got to do the solo in yeah. the song. And, and then I just did it on the spot. And he goes, you just came up with that? I'm like, yeah. I just shat that out. You want yeah. another one? <laughs> but we used the first thing I came up with. Something so I, I understand but, but that is, process. Which is awesome. Sure. Yeah, yeah, and man. a DVD of a movie. By the way, I love fire music. I think it's awesome. Oh, thanks, because I had a copy if you wanted it. I, I you, if you didn't have it. Well, because now we're on the same record label in Canada. You, you grab New it. Damage, yeah. Rip. I have your album as well. We're on this. We're label mates. We're label mates. mates. We're on yeah. New Damage. That's yeah, great. Yeah. Which is uh, we a made new it thing. happen. Yeah, I gotta get my comedy now. record. Maybe I'll contact New Damage. Yeah, then <laughs> we can all tour together and be in a band at the same time. Stay in the same van down by the river. Yeah, you'll yeah. open for us. <laughs> you no, I'm, clo- you're, I'm closing. You're, you're, clo- you're closing. Because <laughs> once the band has got everyone rocking, everyone will be in a relaxed mood to uh, sit down after they've <laughs> danced. Like the worst thing in the world would be comedy right yeah. after. Like we've had Nick open for us. Oh, that's great. awesome. Yeah. For yeah, well, parts of it were awesome. You guys were very nice to me. We were awesome was the to crowd you. Nice to yeah. you? No, crowd, well, no, we were no, awesome right. to him. The crowd was okay. The post crowd. Yeah, because how does a rock crowd deal with comedy? Like, probably. Uh, yeah, but, but this is before the the podcast. Maybe now might people be might be more familiar yeah. with Nick. Yeah, and I was more also in the more like uh, really kind of more uh, my noise rock period, like abrasive, like more abrasive right. maybe at that time. I don't know. But Scott. Thanks for coming down. Dude, thank you for having me. This is always the best. Always thank a pleasure. You. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, wait. I'm getting in shit for always saying and making noise at the end, so. No, now it's you not guys shit. Have to say it's just an he, observation. He made a really cute smile when he made that noise, <laughs> in case anyone's wondering. Nick always has to be the last voice on the podcast. So, take it away, Nick. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.